Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about the power of silence. I'm excited to welcome special guest, Rich Lewis. Rich is the author of Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. He is also a speaker and coach who focuses on centering prayer as a means of inner transformation. Welcome, Rich. I'm so glad you could join with me today. Thanks for having me. Hopefully this will uh, be helpful for your community. I am excited. So for me personally, this is the first time I have heard the term even of centering prayer or silent prayer. Can you explain what that is and how you do it? And how is it different? I I guess I'm asking too many questions at once, but how is it different from meditation or just normal prayer or whatever? Sure, sure. Well, I'll answer that one first and then I'll back go backwards. So how is it different from meditation? Um, so, well, actually it was created in the early 1970s by three Trappist monks as a result of they saw a lot of people doing transcendental meditation and they wanted something for Christians. So they created centering prayer. So the one way it's different is yes, it is meditation. It is a practice but it's also considered a relationship with God. So it's really considered two things, a practice and a practice as a way of opening to the presence and actions of God within you. So it's a practice and a relationship. So that's that's how it's different when, pe- when people will ask me, um, is it just meditation? And for Centering Prayer practitioners, it's a practice, but really a, a door to God and opening to God with God within us. So what is Centering Prayer? It's a form of silent prayer. So it's wordless prayer. You know, as I mentioned, it goes back to the 1970s when it was created. And how you do centering prayer is you sit and then interiorly you introduce a word, usually a one, two or three syllable word. It could be love, ocean, a color, Jesus, whatever word you want to choose. So whenever you begin engaging, so you sit, you close your eyes, and then whenever you engage your thoughts, so whenever you begin thinking what I'm going to do when I get up from the sit, or, or begin thinking about things you did before the sit, you introduce this, reintroduce this word to bring you back to the present moment and open to the presence and actions of God within. And then you let go of the word. So it's not used as a mantra. And there are some practices that are mantra-based where they're saying it over and over and over again. In Centering Prayer, it's not used as a mantra. It just is used to bring you back to the present moment. And sometimes you naturally bring yourself back. So you actually repeat that process through however long you've chosen to do your Centering Prayer sit. So if you've chosen 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whenever you engage your thoughts, You reintroduce that word interiorly just to bring yourself back, and then you let go of it. Because really the purpose of the prayer is just to let go of you and all your thoughts and sit with God, sit with life, and rest in the rest of life, rest in the rest of God. And one other thing I'll say when I said sacred word, you don't have to use a word. I actually use an image. So some people use kind of a picture, an interior picture in their mind. Some people use their breath to come back to the present, and some people are afraid they'll fall asleep, so they keep their eyes open and just stare at a spot straight ahead. So there's, you can use the method that works best for you. Just don't switch it in the middle of the prayer, because then you'll spend more time focusing on what's the next word I'm going to use, and what's the next word I'm going to use. So you should really stick with the same method throughout the prayer, and then if you, if you discover 
like I did. I'm not, I'm not a auditory person using a word. I'm more of a visual person. So I use an image and then I've stuck with the image. Actually, I've been using the same image for years um, at this point. Interesting. Okay. So how does this benefit you? Why, why do you do it? Is it, I know you're passionate about it. So help me understand what benefits this brings. Sure, sure. Well, I guess what I've noticed for me, um, since I've been practicing centering prayer, and I've been practicing since June of 2014, I've noted changes in my life. I've noticed, I guess, a bigger excitement for life than I had prior to that. I seem to have a whole lot more confidence. I seem to get wisdom for tasks that have kind of stumped me uh, earlier in the day. I seem to get nudges to, to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. I have more of a sense of inner peace and calmness, and I think I'm less reactive. So I'm more willing to listen to people rather than hear something and get ready to react or argue or disagree with it. I'm, I'm more apt to just listen and be with that person and maybe try to better understand where they're coming from rather than immediately start you know, arguing with the person, for example. So for me, the, the practice has a ton of those fruits are or results of the practice is what I've noticed as I've been practicing centering prayer. That's beautiful. And do you feel like it has in- increased your relationship with God also? I mean, do you feel closer? And I, I do. I, I feel, and I still pray, you know, I still do verbal prayer, and I actually use a prayer rope, but I complement it also with, with this type of prayer, which is nice because I don't have to worry about what I'm saying. I'm really just sitting with God. And I think of it as as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me, and what He's praying in me are, are really these fruits that I've I've noticed. So you know, I, I I enter centering prayer simply because I love God and I trust God, and then I seem to notice these fruits, you know, during my everyday life and and how my life has changed or, or the way I approach things has changed. So yes, I, I I definitely think I'm closer to God, and I think I'm more trusting. Where Or to give you an example, I'm a big believer in affirmations. So these are kind of single sentences, things that I want to do in my life, whether it's career or with my family or with my mental or physical health or with my children. So I'll read them and then let them go to God and do my centering prayer sit and then come out of my centering prayer sit. So I feel like I'm partnering with God on things that I think are important to me. And then I just want to make sure I partner with God on them. And are these things that God wants me to do? So then your next question might be, well, how do I know that's something God wants <laughs> me to do? For me, the, I guess the barometer that has worked is um, one, you know, if, if it excites me, if I have an inner calm and inner peace about it, even if it's out of my comfort zone, I still, it's something I need to do because it'll help me grow. And then as long as it doesn't harm me or harm others, it stays on my affirmation list. So that's kind of, that's my barometer of affirmations that I always kind of read and then let them go to God while I do my centering prayer practice. So I kind of marry the two together. I think of it as I sit with God and then I get up and walk with God outside of my centering prayer uh, life during my daily routine. Excellent. And everything does take action. Uh, One thing that you said that's still kind of running through my mind is the idea of God praying in you. And the idea, I think a lot of times in our prayers, we speak and we don't listen. So I guess you're offering a way to sit and listen. Like if we're on the phone and we ask a question or say something and then hang up before we respond, that would be kind of rude. But I guess in our prayers, really, we do that all the time. So 
that gives me something to think about. Okay, so why did you write your book? What prompted this? Sure. Um, I guess when I discovered Centering, so I had always been attracted to silence. I just didn't know what to do in this silence. And then I stumbled across Centering Prayer in 2013 when I was reading a book by Amos Smith called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. So I found that book on Amazon, just looking for a book to read. And in the book, I stumbled across Centering Prayer, which, and I thought, ha here's a practice I can do in the silence, because I'd heard it was transforming, but I didn't know what am I supposed to do in the silence. So here was a practice that I could do in the silence. So I reached out to Amos on his website, began a dialogue, and I began learning more about Centering Prayer and, and became friends with him, and, we, and we're actually friends to this day. He's Then he's the one that actually encouraged me to write the book. He you know, he, he thought his book had more of an academic bend, and he thought my book would it would, could approach it from a different angle and a different person, um, an office worker versus at the time he, he was a pastor of, of United Church of Christ. So he thought he thought I had something to say since we had a, di- a lot of dialogue, became friends. So he challenged me to write a book, and I took him up on it. So I, I actually wrote the book over a couple of years on Saturday mornings in Starbucks, so pre-COVID. I would get up and from 6 to about 9 or 10 a.m. and get a cup of coffee at Starbucks, pull out the laptop, and, and that's how the book got written. But it was Amos nudged me and challenged me to do it, and, and I took him up on it. That sounds like a lovely way to write a book, actually. How clever of you. So I have a couple questions on actually doing it. Sitting in silence, a couple things. One, it's very countercultural. We have so much noise and everything is supposed to be fast and exciting and in your face. And if it's not, then, I mean, people, if, the, if a page takes more than two seconds to download on, on a computer or a phone, people move to something else because that's too long to wait. I mean, who wants to wait more than two seconds? And you're, you're suggesting that we sit in silence for longer than two seconds. So how do you do that? Sure. I mean, I'm suggesting, you know, if you're new to it, I'm even suggesting even try for a minute or five minutes. Like people that are completely new to it have told me, you know, five minutes really wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And and the one thing I tell people, and I've noticed it in my life, is, you know, we need the silence. It, It actually, it helps us so, for example, I, my first sit is first thing in the morning. So that's how I start my day before I do anything. I do my first centering prayer sit of 20 minutes. And then I you know, begin my work day. And I've been working from home now with, with um, COVID. I've been working from home for over a year at this point. So my second sit is actually right before lunch. So actually, when we're done, I'll probably do my second sit. And what I have found is it, no matter how busy I am at work, it really helps me finish the second half of the day strong. I, you know, I need to kind of reset, reconnect to God, reconnect to life, reconnect to the tasks that are in front of me. So I've noticed, you know, it has a way of people will say, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And I'll argue it gives you back time. It certainly has given me back time because I'm always amazed, you know, as I finish the day at five o'clock or five thirty or six o'clock and look back and say, look at, look at what I got done. And I still took, you know, that 20 minute sit even though I knew I was busy. So I would challenge people, take, you know, take a sit, maybe even take a sit in the middle of the day and then take a look back at what you've accomplished as a result of it. It has a way of giving you back time because the the sacred word during centering prayer, you let go of all the things that you're engaging and just sit with the present moment. And it helps you do that 
outside of centered prayer, where I can begin to let go of what I don't need and hone in and focus on what I do need and what those tasks are. So that's what I have learned for myself. But I, you have to try it for yourself. So if, if you don't make the time for the sit, you won't notice that it can do that for you. Right. And you, you mentioned two things. I don't have the time. And then you changed it to making the time. And the truth is, we all have the exact same amount of time. There's 24 hours in a day. The rich people don't get more and the poor people don't get less. It's, it's how we use that time. And I like your idea of it giving back time. As we're, as we're working on things, sometimes we get frustrated and we say, oh my gosh, there's so much on my plate. And if you're able to kind of reduce what's on your plate, what you're handling right now, um, I, think we, I think we can accomplish more. It used to be that the big thing was multitasking. They said, oh, multitask, you got to get more done in this amount of time. And then subsequent research says, actually, that's not very effective. We, our brains really can't do all those things at a time. We're just doing it, going, switching back and forth really fast. So that, there's something to that. That makes me, that makes me ponder. Now, you also mentioned earlier that you have always kind of liked silence. And I have to ask a question because we're not the same gender and I understand guys have a nothing box and, and can, you can say, hey, what are you thinking about? And they'll say nothing and mean it. And if you ask a woman, what are you thinking about? And she says nothing, she's probably lying. So you coach people on how to do this. How do you get a woman to be able to empty her mind? The, um, I mean, the same way, really, as a, as a man would. So you... you... With, I guess, kind of asking them questions in terms of, you know, what sacred method would work best for you to, when you find that you're doing everything but your centering prayer sit. So it's really, I guess, helping someone understand, should they use a word? Should they use an image? Should they use their breath? You know, what best method should they use to keep bringing themselves back to the present moment? But you really haven't, I mean, you haven't failed during centering prayer, even if you're doing a lot of thinking. As long as you keep bringing yourself back to the present, you're doing the practice right. You really can't fail at centering prayer. I mean, I guess the only way to fail is if you just don't show up and decide, I'm not doing it today. And it doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you didn't do your practice and just show up for the next time. So, so it's really just a matter of, I guess, I tell people to show up. Forgive yourself if you miss a sit. Don't beat yourself up. Show up for your next one and use the right you know, method, a word or your breath or your image or your eyes closed that works best for you. So you're allowed to have that image still in your head. I don't have to have actually nothing, but I can have one thing. Is that okay? That word or that picture or that whatever? Well, you're really supposed to let go of that during centering prayer as well. So you're not using it as a mantra or so if you find that you're focusing if you're if your picture is an ocean and you're spending your whole sit visualizing the ocean because you love the ocean then you probably not you should switch to a different type of image because it's really just a placeholder to bring you back to the present moment because during centering prayer now we believe we're coming back to the present moment letting go of everything, including the sacred word or sacred image, and opening to the presence and actions of God within. So just kind of clearing the slate completely, and it's just God and I sitting and no planning and plotting going on. Wow. Okay. I think this is going to take some practice. And I know you mentioned, <laughs> you said, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon, where this is something that will benefit if you keep doing it, and it's a, a regular practice. And well, I think, oh, go ahead. 
Well, I will say this. I mean, sometimes it may not be the right practice for someone. So I have had coaching clients where they're like, I need to repeat something in my head. So there are Christian, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Christian meditation is a practice that uses a mantra and you're repeating it tearily over and over and over again. So I have heard some people, some people have told me, you know, it doesn't work for them. So then I try to point them to a practice that will. There's many practices. It has worked great for me, but sometimes it's not the right fit. So in that case, you know, I referred someone to Christian meditation and I think they kind of continued with that type of practice. So there, there are other practices. I just encourage people to try it, maybe try it for 30 days and then see, does it still work for you? And then if you determine, no, it really doesn't, we can find another practice that will work um, for you. I like to think of that as uh, putting tools in the tool belt and how we have some tools that we like and some that we don't, and you can choose the ones that you like. So I'm grateful that you're teaching us this is a new tool to me and I can put that in my tool belt and choose to use it or not depending on you know what the needs are or whatever you also talk about um true self what what does true self mean to you my true self is is the person God wants me to be and and I talked a little bit of that earlier you know I arrive at that by you know my affirmations are kind of my true self I guess they're kind of like true self-affirmations, things that I think are important to me. And then I'm bringing them to my center in prayer sit, as I said, and letting them go to God and letting them brew with God during center in prayer. And then the barometer that I talked about, you know, as long as they continue to feel, I have an inner sense of peace and calm and excitement about them, even if they're outside of my comfort zone, because I, I, God wants me to grow, learn and do new things. And then as long as they don't harm me or harm others, you know, they remain, I'll call it a true self, you know, affirmation. So for me, my true self is, you know, the person God wants me to be. And that's my barometer. And I think you may even have to kind of arrive at what is your true self barometer? That's what works for me. And maybe Someone else has kind of a different variation of that that works for them where they feel that they're operating from their true self. Okay, that's interesting. So I did not make the connection when you were talking about your affirmations that you were, that that was your true self. I kind of like the idea because it is not just a discovery, it is a creation because you choose the affirmations. So it's not just like we're a, you know, not part of the, the creation that we get to choose okay, this is what I want, this is what I am, this is what I want to become, and then working toward that. So I, I kind of like the way that that's going. And it's a, and it's not an end point, it's, it's a journey. So your true self is not, once you hit it, bam, you're done. No, I mean, I think it's, it's a journey and, and it's, it's a continuous journey of growing into your true self and what, so just what I'm doing this year may look very different than two years and five years and 10 years. So my true self is, is, is a journey that I move and grow into. A whole series of stacked present moments. So every right. every present moment, we are something. So it's not that we have to become something. It's what we are. What, what I am today is good. What I'm going to be tomorrow is good. What I was yesterday is good. So that's, I like that too, that it's not stagnant, that it is a process, a creation. A lot of times we forget that, that, that it's not just a destination, that it is a journey. And that every day matters. So thank you. That was a good reminder. Sure, sure. Is there anything else you want to make sure we covered? I, I guess just for, for people that are new to Centering Prayer, you know, take baby steps. So if you need to, start with one minute. So 
and move it up to five minutes. And then if, if you can get it to 20 minutes and then add a second sit because it, it, the second sits, you know, resets and recharges you and kind of reconnects you to life. So I encourage people to, you know, if they say, I don't know when to do it, I would say, do it first thing in the morning, then begin your day. And then add a second sit at some point where, you know, look at your life and fit it in where, where it belongs and flex your sits. So they don't have to be always at the same times. If your life changes, move your sit, you know, where it belongs. And, and for me, you know, I actually, there was a period of time where work was real busy and I needed a third sit. So what I did was lower the length. So I still had the morning sit, but instead of 20 minutes, it was 13 minutes. And then my second sit before lunch was 13 minutes. And then about two hours later, I did my third sit of 13 minutes because work was just really busy and chaotic and stressful. And I, and I discovered I needed that. And then when work calmed down, I removed the third sit and went back to the two sits and lengthened both times. So, you know, look at your life. What does it tell you? When do you need to do the sits? And maybe even how many do you need to do? And just be creative and flexible with when you do them and even, you know, how long you do them. That's good advice. And it's interesting. When things got more stressful, you took the time out to stop and be silent for a minute so you could handle the stress how many people would be benefited by thinking about stopping for a minute and allowing themselves to recenter? I, I like the idea. I think for me personally, this is going to be a challenge. So if I can make it to one minute, I would congratulate myself. <laughs> but I think it's a, a beautiful idea. I, I like, um, like you said, there's a or something is going through your mind, maybe a mantra I think would work probably easier for me. But that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for visiting with me today, Rich. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by an unknown author. It says, Sometimes the most meaningful things are found through silence. Today, I invite you to explore the possibility of using the power of silence to add meaning to your life. See you next time on Linda's Corner.